Good morning. Once again, we want to acknowledge to our Father and our God in heaven that we are grateful for all of his love, mercy, and blessings. Uh, if we find life to be a struggle when we are aided by God's grace and mercy, uh, imagine what it would be like without him. Uh, life for everyone has its storms, its valleys, its woes, and its sorrows. I would venture that uh, all of us appreciate uh, that crying, complaining, murmuring, worrying, or fretting uh, neither helps nor solves anything, but thank God that there is a God that ever reaches out to us and can ever be reached out to. Uh, the psalmist has declared in Psalm 46, verse 10, uh, God has said, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. And isn't it good to know that sometimes that's all we need to do, just be still and let God be God. And for all of God's blessings, we ought to be eternally grateful. We want to direct your attention this morning again to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the text that was read into our hearing. Uh, we want to read again there verse number 20. Uh, there the apostle writes, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled, to God. Based on the words of the apostle there in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, we want to use this morning as a subject, ambassadors for Christ. As we consider the text that we have before us here in 2 Corinthians 5, I, I submit to you that the grace of God is very evident in this text. The apostle declares to us that not only has God redeemed us through Christ Jesus, but he also condescends to use man in a partnership with himself to reach out to man. Now in verse 20, when Paul says, now then we are ambassadors for Christ, in the immediate context, the term ambassador has reference to the apostles of Christ Jesus. But I believe there are some relevant applications that be, uh, may be made to us as well. When we talk about an ambassador, an ambassador is one who represents his own country in a foreign land. If his country is a monarchy, the ambassador is regarded as the personal representative of the king or queen, as the case may be, and it is expected that he will be accredited the honors and distinctions which belong not to him as a person, but to the one in whose place he stands. Uh, in Matthew 10, verse number 40, Jesus declared, He that receiveth you receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. And, and, and so you see how this, 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 this vicarious standing works. It's not so much uh, us that people are listening to as it is God himself when we faithfully declare what is written in his word. But when we talk further uh, about the idea uh, of an ambassador, 
Not only is the ambassador regarded as the personal representative of his king, but his official residency, usually called an embassy, is always accounted as belonging not to the country in which it is built, but to the country to which the ambassador himself belongs. Thus, within the walls of the embassy, only the laws and customs of the ambassador's land are observed. Now, y'all just forgive me, this was just the best illustration I could think of. But, but, but in the days of the prohibition, foreign diplomats within their own embassies could still consume alcoholic beverages without fear of reprisal. Because the embassy is regarded not as, let's say if it's here in America, it's not regarded as American soil, it's really regarded as being a part of whatever country he represents. Moreover, an ambassador's allegiance is to his own king and his own land. He lives in a foreign country, but his citizenship, loyalty, and love are elsewhere. Now, again, in your Bibles, in Philippians 3 and verse number 20, Paul says, for our, citizen, uh, our conversation is in heaven, from whence we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, while we are not apostles, and there are not any apostles living in our world today, there are some things that are true about us in a similar context that were also true of the apostles as ambassadors. Uh, uh, in our world today, it, it's not unusual to hear the term identity theft. And there's a you know, big issue with people having their identity stolen. But I think in the church, more so than identity theft, we have to be concerned about identity forfeit. One of the things the ambassador needed to remember is who he was representing and what his mission was. Uh, and I believe in the church is becoming more and more critical that we remember who we belong to and what our mission is. It is very easy to look at the world around us and, and to be overrun by the culture and the way that our world is thinking. We need to remember that I am God's representative here on earth and that it is my, 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 I have accepted the call to live for Christ Jesus and be a light in a dark world. There, there are just some similarities between, between uh, uh, us in our world today and, and the apostles as ambassadors for Christ. Consider in, in verse number 15 there in 2 Corinthians 5, the Bible says, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. If I understand what Paul is saying, he's saying, number one, the ambassador has a responsibility. And his responsibility is to faithfully represent his, his nation and his king. And appreciate any time one belongs to a group, one is a reflection of the group to which one belongs. Uh, uh, in your Bibles, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, uh, verses 19 and 20, Paul says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. My job is to faithfully represent the God to whom I belong. And people often judge the whole by individuals. 
Now, now, maybe they do this more than, uh, uh, in the South than, than, than they do, uh, well, geographically, Maryland is still the South, but maybe they do this more in, in the Deep South. You know, in, in the South, you're known by your family name. You know, people, he, he's one of them cooks. Now, now, they may not know anything about me, but because they know my family, that they tend to judge me by whatever my family reputation is. Well, what we ought to appreciate is people may not know the Laurel Church of Christ, but there will be a tendency for them to judge us by the individuals who are part of this body with whom they are familiar. Now, now if they know you on a positive level, uh, that works to our benefit. But if they know you on a negative level, they tend to ascribe whatever they know about you to the rest of us. On any given Sunday, we have multiple visitors here. And I would venture that we have never yet had a visitor that spoke to everyone, but every one of them leaves with an impression of the Laurel Church. You know, sometimes you just get nervous depending on who you see them talking to. Uh, you know, I, I, I hope you meet one of the more pleasant folk in, in the congregation. I, I, I hope you have a positive interaction because they will ascribe to the rest of us their interaction with any one of us. And in this context, Christians are not only ambassadors, but we are also stewards. And if you remember what Paul said, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 2, he said, it's required in a steward that a man be faithful. So it is incumbent upon us that we remember that wherever I may go, and at all times, I am a reflection upon Christ, the church, and the gospel, and we owe it to the Lord to faithfully represent his name. That's just one of the responsibilities we have as Christians. I ought to be a good example of a child of God wherever I go at any point in my living. I'm not just a Christian on Sunday at the church building. I'm a Christian all week long, and my living ought to faithfully represent the one to whom I belong at work, at home, at school, or wherever it is my travels may take me. But then consider further there in 2 Corinthians 5, in verse number 17, Paul says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature or creation, depending on which uh, uh, translation you're reading, all things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. When I read verse 17, it just speaks to me uh, of the danger that the ambassador faces. Now, now, I don't mean the threat of physical persecution. I don't even mean the threat of verbal persecution. But if an ambassador stays too long in a foreign country, if he does not interact regularly with his own countrymen, he runs the risk of becoming denationalized. Now, now by that I mean he, he runs the risk of becoming more like the folk he's spending his time around than the folk he's supposed to be representing. When one travels to a new country, it is obvious to those of that country that this individual is not one of them. And you know, you don't have to travel to another country. In the neighborhood I grew up in, you could always tell when somebody was new to the neighborhood. You know, they said that about Peter, your speech gives you away. You know, I just tell by the way you talk, you don't live here. You know, sometimes you try to fit in with the crowd you don't fit in with, and it's funny to them, you think you're fitting in. You know, I'm closer to older than I am to younger. 
Uh, what I've just learned is, you know, when you get older, you don't fit in with the young crowd like you did when you were young. Now, now you can try to use their lingo, their, uh, uh, their language, their talk, and, and they're just kind of looking at you. You know, if he knew what he sound like. Yeah, you, 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 you're not a teenager anymore. You're 50-something, you're 60-something. Be whoever, be whatever it is you are. And when we talk about this idea of becoming denationalized, the process of denationalization is usually a gradual one that is often unnoticed until radical changes have occurred. Uh, you know, that's why God warned Israel about intermingling with the other nations. They're going to denationalize you. You're going to learn their pagan ways and you're going to start following their gods. That was God's concern about them intermingling or intermarrying, at, well, both, with, with the other nations. When an ambassador goes to a foreign country, the language and speech that he hears is that of foreigners. The viewpoints he hears, the customs and cultures that he is continually exposed to are not his, but those of the people among whom he sojourns. I would venture to say whenever you turn on the news, you need to be aware of that fact. You're not listening to the Father. And I don't care which voice it is you're listening to. Uh, they are not preaching the gospel of Christ Jesus. Now, I know in, in our world sometimes, we, you know, we've forgotten what the term Christian means, and we ascribe it to just about anybody that believes in Jesus. But, but biblically, that never constituted being a Christian. When we talk about this world that we live in, uh, uh, unless you are dealing with members of the church, you are being exposed to foreign views, foreign customs, foreign voices. And we live in a contrary world. It's no doubt, Paul, uh, uh, no, uh, no, no wonder then uh, that Paul says, Romans 12, verse 2, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We, we live in a world that views the Bible as old-fashioned and out of touch with progressive thinking. Well, they can call it what they want to, but as long as I think like God, I, I'm going, I, I'm, I'm all right with that. Now, now you can call it whatever. I, I, I'm not down with the times. I, I, I don't know what's going on. I'm old fashioned. Well, I, I'll just be all of that if that's what thinking like God is. And as God's children, we are called to leave the old ways of the world and embrace the new life in Christ. But if we don't spend enough time with those of like mind, we will find ourselves falling back into the old things. You know, the old things are always easy to gravitate back to. Uh, uh, Paul says, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33, be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good morals. Uh, uh, number one, the, the, the bad communication will corrupt you, but it's easy to fall back into those old bad habits. Uh, you know, when you look at the early church, there's there no wonder that they spent, and not just assembly time together, but they spent social time together. I, I believe every time the church got together, it wasn't for a formal Bible study or to hear somebody preach a sermon. Now, that, that may have happened, but I believe they spent some time, to get, just some social time to get to know each other. Why? Because I don't want to become denationalized and, and be like, I hate to say those folk, but, but I don't want to become like them. You know, I, I want to remain what God has called me to be. And the question begs to be asked, uh, how do we keep ourselves from becoming denationalized? 
Well, we need more than just a Sunday worship service. If the extent of your Christian activity is I come to worship service on Sunday, I can assure you, you are becoming denationalized. Because it means you spend the rest of the week, of which there are 168 hours, it, it, we, depending on which service you come to, you're here for about an hour and a half, two if you stay for Bible class. Uh, so I'm spending about 165 hours around an influence other than a godly influence. Now, now which one do you think is going to influence you more? I, I mean, when, 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 when the, weight, uh, 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 the balance of the weight is overwhelmingly in the favor of, of, of one versus the other, uh, we need more than just uh, attending worship service on Sunday. We need more than just prayer. And mind you, I believe uh, the prayers of the righteous accomplish a great deal. But nobody can ever pray me to be a good Christian, and I be a good Christian just because of their prayers. I'm going to have to invest some effort in that thing myself. Yeah, now pray for me. Pray for me that I'll be the best Christian that God enables me to be. But I need to invest something in that. I, I need to invest some time uh, uh, with my brothers and sisters. I can spend time in a positive environment. You know, just some folk, you, 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 you know, I, just some folk I know, I, I probably wouldn't take you around. You know, I got some family members, and I deal with them because they're my family. But see, I, if some of y'all, you know, just JoJo and, and some of them, yeah, they, they just turn y'all out. Now, now, don't look at me funny. You got some family mamas that you probably would, uh, you know, that's the preacher. Watch what you say around him. Uh, your family is your family. You, you don't pick them. They're just yours, and you love them because they're your family. But we need fellowship with one another. And, and when I say that personal interaction, that is both spiritual and social. And then last there, uh, in, in verses 19 and 20, Paul says, to wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled unto God. Though he may live among foreigners in a foreign land, the ambassador must never forget his mission. Appreciate the church has been entrusted with a great responsibility. God gives to us the responsibility to declare his word to the world. He also gives to us the responsibility of remaining distinct from the world. And when you look at the world that we live in, there are some folk that have done and continue to do great things in the field of medicine, in the field of education. But the work of the church has implications on eternity. You know, God hadn't called any other group other than the church to preach the gospel. Now, there may be saying they claim that they're God's people, but biblically, the only group that God has ever called the only one that is baptized into Jesus' name is the church. And when we look at Paul, Paul never forgot his mission. And his motivation, uh, his motivation rather, for the ministry was manifold. Uh, too many M's there. Uh, uh, yeah, his motivation for the ministry was manifold. 
in verse number 11, he says, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and our trust also are made manifest in your consciences. See, Paul understood something about God that we like to ignore in our world today. You know, everybody in our world today wants to talk about God's grace and God's mercy. And he is a gracious God, and he is merciful. But remember that God is as much the God of judgment as he is the God of goodness. So much so until the Hebrew writer declared Hebrews 10 verse 31, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Yeah, I'm glad for God's grace and mercy, but we ought to preach the whole counsel of God. Yeah, 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 there's more than just grace and mercy to it. There's consequences if you don't obey God. God, it, it, he, he, he is against sin, and he punishes those that will not repent of sin. And Paul was motivated not just by that fact, but he was motivated by his thankfulness for the grace that he had received. Uh, you remember Paul called himself the chief of sinners. He said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. You know, Paul never went around thinking, you know, I was never really a bad person. Paul understood what he was. I was separated from the love of God by my own sins. And I thank God for his grace that allowed me to be reconciled to him. We too have been the recipients of God's grace. And we too have much for which to be thankful. And it is imperative that we not forget our mission. God didn't put me here to work 50, 60 hours on a job. He put me here to glorify him. Now, now, I ain't mad at you. I don't want you to quit your job, you know, and then come in and you know, ask for benevolence and all of that. But, but remember why God put me here. God put me here to serve him. That's job one. I ought to serve. If I'm not serving God, then I don't have time for anything else. If I'm too busy to work in the master's kingdom, then I'm too busy. So some things just need to go from my living. My primary reason for existing is to fear God and keep his commandments. That's why God put me here. I, I, I ought not forget my mission. You see, when we forget our mission, forgetting our mission turns into neglecting our mission. And, and then we have the nerve to sit around and talk about what sad shape the world is in. You ever hear somebody complain about politics, but they don't vote? You know what? If you don't vote, be quiet. Well, if the world is in bad shape, but you're not about the Father's business, be quiet. I need to be doing all that God enables me to do to help the world be a better place. You know, it starts with just touch, touching the person right next to you. And if one person touches one person and that person touches another person, it's not rocket science. We just need to remember why God has put us here. You know, when you look back over the course of a week, how much time did I give to the master's service? His service. I'm not sitting in the church building with everybody else that believe the same thing I believe. Uh, you know, because if you think sitting in the church building is hard work, boy, you're going to have a whale of a time if you make it to heaven. <laughs> and, and I would venture if sitting in here is hard, you're probably not going to make it to heaven. <laughs> now, God didn't ask my opinion on that. That's just my understanding of reading the scripture. You know, if, if, if heaven is going to be one big worship service and you can't even sit still for an hour, you know, how are you going to make it in eternity? 
God calls us to be laborers in his kingdom. Uh, what's the old song? Uh, uh, I heard somebody say one time, we sing standing on the promises, but too often we're sitting in the premises. God calls us to be workers. Uh, you remember the great declaration of Jesus, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. He calls us to preach the gospel so that others might obey it even as God graced us to do. Uh, and it requires that people know the good news of Christ Jesus, that they hear the gospel message, uh, that they believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that they be willing to turn from sin and turn to God, that they be willing to confess Jesus as the Son of God and be baptized in his name for the remission of sins. And thereafter, not as an ambassador in the context of the apostles, but as a faithful child of God, represent the one to whom they belong. Perhaps you're here this morning, you want to respond to the invitation, you want the church to pray for you, and if either of these are the case, then we bid you to come as we stand and as we sing.